Hound Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Horse and Hound Podcast. I'm Polly Bryan, dressage editor here at Horse and Hound. Well, we're well and truly into the summer season now. We've just enjoyed a very exciting Hickstead Derby. And this week, we're all enjoying following the action from Aachen in Germany, with British Nations Cup teams out there competing in dressage, jumping and eventing. Closer to home, I hope everyone has been enjoying all of the lovely warm weather we've been having recently and keeping themselves and their horses comfortable. In our interview on this week's episode, I'm really excited to be joined by dressage rider Danny Morgan. Danny is one of the most exciting British dressage riders at the moment. He has ridden to Grand Prix level and also scored numerous national titles across the levels over the course of his career. He recently added to his national title tally with a brilliant four wins at the Winter Dressage Championships in April, riding two hugely exciting young horses. Hi, Danny. How are you doing? Hi. Yeah, I'm great. Thanks, Polly. Yeah, how are you? Yes, I'm very good, thank you. Thanks so much for coming on to the Horse and Hound podcast and joining us today. Um, I just wanted to kick off by talking about your wins at the Winter Championships uh, a couple of months ago now, but still, I'm sure, fresh in the minds of many people who were very impressed by your performances there. Tell us a little bit first about um, that week for you. You had four wins on two young horses who you must be really excited about. Tell us a little bit about them. Um, yeah, it was a great week for me, really. And, um, you know, I think it's not often that you maybe have, I mean, you know, you could have a couple of wins, uh, really exciting, but to win four just felt a bit surreal. So, yeah, it was a very special week. Um, but, yeah, there are two of probably my most exciting young horses. Um, yeah, so my five-year-old, Fever Tree, um, he won the novice in the novice freestyle. Um, he's been a very special horse ever since I saw him as a foal. He's always been a special horse. And, um, yeah, he's been on great form. So I went to the championships hoping for a good result with him. Um, but, you know, I, I guess you never really know sometimes how the young horses are going to be in that atmosphere. Um, but the horses were just, yeah, they were ex- exceptional all week. And it was yeah, it's great to get those results. But I think especially the novice goal to to score 80 that was very special yes and it's a really really hot class isn't it the novice goals always um so as you say to come out of that on top with such a good score was special and fever tree's your own isn't he you own him yeah that's right yeah fever tree's my own and um he was bred by friends of mine actually where i'm based uh, david stone and colin hicks and so i've known him ever since he was born um i rode his mum a little bit and yeah, right from a foal, he's been a special horse. And I thought, as soon as I saw him, I thought, oh my God, I've got to have this horse. So um, yeah, so a bit fate really. And um, circumstance, I was able to buy a horse of such, you know, that ability really. So I'm, I'm very grateful to them. Oh, yes. I mean, that must have felt so special. And tell us a bit about your other, your other horse you had there, another young one. Yeah, so uh, Delilah, the six, she's the six-year-old by Revolution, and she's owned by Christina and Karen Rousing. Um, she is another beautiful mare. I've had her since she was a three-year-old and um, started her, and it's, it's really special, you know, when you you have them right from the beginning through to sort of championship level. And, um, I mean, again, she's really found her strength. She's a tall mare. She's found her strength over the winter and really started to show what sort of quality that she has. Um and actually, I think she may be coming a bit the underdog because she got through from regionals from, you know, uh, I think she was third, second and third. And just, you know, um, and I I was quietly confident because I know what a beautiful horse she is and she was getting stronger all the time. And actually, even since 
regionals, I felt like she'd improved again. So it was um, it was great to go in there and actually give it a good go. And um, you know, she answered all, all the questions and rose to the occasion. So um, yeah, it was great to to win on the first day anyway and I think by the time I got to the Friday I thought oh do you know what I'm just going to go for it but you know she felt a little bit tired I'm just going to go for it and we'll see and then to be honest when I pulled up um, the app on my phone to, to see the scores I thought it was almost a bit ridiculous you know a bit just belief that I was then had another great score so um, it felt a bit surreal. <laughs> oh I'm sure it did absolutely and I know that you were there at the Winters this year competing um, with your very very good friends Jess Palmer and Sadie Smith who also each uh, won a title and had a very good week and I remember a post that you put out on social media during that week acknowledging the fact that the three of you were, were all there and doing so well and that you'd all started your riding careers in riding schools. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about that and, and sort of your early days of riding and how you got started, because I think riding schools can often be really underrated, can't they, as in their ability to actually produce really, really strong riders. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, I think if you're from a, a background that's not horsey and, you know, it can be a bit difficult to sort of find a way into the sport. But I think even before that, you know, as a, as a kid, I was always obsessed with horses and um, I think we begged mum to go for a lesson um, at the riding school for a birthday um, and then since then ended up hooked and used to go and help out on the weekends and just absorb as much as we could, um, you know, help out on the weekends, get free rides and I think um, Jess and Sadie basically were in the same position as me and we're all from Southampton and we all, you know, started just <laughs> plodding around on the horses and, you know, just being obsessed pony mad around them all the time. And, um, you know, I think if you asked each of us, you know, at the beginning, it was just sort of a dream to, 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 to do this as a career and something you never maybe thought was possible. I remember, you know, just sitting watching Horse and Country when I was much younger and watching all the top riders and thinking, oh my God, I would love to be able to do this. Um, you know, but then, you know, we just keep kept plugging away. And I thought, I knew right from the beginning, I thought if I'm going to make a try and make a career out of this, I've got to try and work hard and try and be prove that I'm good enough to people so that I'll get an opportunity. And I, I, um, I, you know, I got then jobs as so previously was an event rider, um, working as an event rider. And I just worked really hard until I could get some opportunities to ride horses. And then, you keep learning and you ride anything that you get the opportunity to ride. And I think it's a, you know, if you can pr prove to uh, people that you can improve a horse, then that's a really good skill. And I think starting off in a riding school definitely does help that because you sit on so many different types of horses. Um, yeah, so I, it's, it's definitely a, a great start and a good way in the door for if you're, you know, maybe necess don't necessarily have financial backing and, you know, you want to try and find a way into the sport. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's so interesting to hear you talk about that because I think, you know, some people who maybe don't come from horsey families or horsey backgrounds and, you know, can often feel as though they don't have the same sort of opportunities. And while it isn't always as easy, perhaps, I think it's, you know, it's great that, that people like you and, and Jez and Sadie are, are really showing that that's, that's a very realistic route into a successful riding career. Um, you mentioned we were uh, persuading your mum for riding lessons. Was that your brother? Yeah. So I'm an identical twin, actually. So, oh, um, wow. Yeah. So me and my brother both were obsessed when we were younger and um, both rode together and, um, yeah, went to the riding school together. And then um, he actually no longer rides, but um, 
yeah, we both got involved together and started it that way. Oh, lovely. And you also mentioned that you uh, went into eventing before before dressage, which I think is another really interesting point. Um, just tell me a bit more about how you made that jump into professional riding as it was eventing um, at that point. How did you actually, you know, what was your big break? What kind of got you in the door, as it were, to start riding for a living? So I went to college after school for two years and, and studied sport, but knowing that I always wanted to try and make horses a career. And um, I actually, when I left school, I put a, an advert into a yard and groom and I'd already by that point sent out you know, loads and loads of emails to all different yards. And, you know, I think this is the bit that, you know, people won't necessarily, you know, they see maybe good, good results in um, in the end. But right, you know, right at the beginning, it was just a dream. And I, I remember sending loads of emails out for working pupils position. It's, and, you know, I mean, most of the time, I, ne I never even got a reply back. Um, and I just, you know, I kept going and I was so stubborn. I kept going and I messaged um, and I put an advert on Yard and Groom. And actually, it was from Yard and Groom. Um, a lady called Adele Shart, who um, she um, ran Summerley Park Horse Trials, actually sent me a, a reply back. And then so I got an interview um, with Adele. And then I remember on my interview, I had to go and ride this horse that was just backed. Wow. When I say just backed, I mean, I don't think anyone could ride it. And I remember my interview basically was if I could ride this horse and sort of stay on it. And I remember when when I turned up, I was really nervous because they just sort of made it out to be really difficult. And I mean, it, it, it was sharp enough, but I thought, well, I've got to ride this horse because I need this opportunity. <laughs> and then then after that, yeah, I got the job working for Adele. And I remember for probably the first few months, I didn't even ride because um, she had already had a head rider there. And I thought, you know, if to get an opportunity, I'm going to have to prove to Adele that I, I really want it and I work hard. So I would, you know, I, I worked really hard on the yard and then eventually I, I was given the opportunity to ride a horse. And I thought, well, I've got to show that I can improve this horse and, you know, make it better than it already is. And from there, I, I got more opportunities. And actually, I had a great time at Adele's. I worked there for six years and ended up producing a lot of horses, um, some horses through to advanced level. And um, yeah, it was a great opportunity to me, for me and I learned a lot working there. Ah, okay, amazing. I think that's that's such a lovely story of that sort of perseverance. And as you say, being a little bit stubborn and, and not sort of taking no for an answer when it comes to getting that that first break and that first job that, you know, gets you on the on the ladder. Yeah. Um, and obviously, like you said, you evented up to um, advanced level, did you say? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, where did dressage sort of come from? At what stage did you did you make that switch? Was it a conscious switch? Did it sort of happen a little bit by accident? Just talk us through that that transition from from eventing to dressage yeah so um so when i worked i worked for adele for six years and actually adele um sadly passed away um when i was working for her um sadly got very ill and passed away so um and then after then i went and set up um just took i i had probably four horses and i went and then took them on livery back to uh bow lake equestrian where i'm actually now based and i was actually previously based there when I was uh, younger because I had a horse on loan. Um, so I, I, I knew David from, you know, when I was at school. And actually, uh, David really helped me out because I, I was sort of a bit unsure as what I was going to do after leaving the Dow's. And he gave me an opportunity to come back and rent some boxes from him at, you know, he really helped me out at a good price. And 
sort of gave me an opportunity to get started really on my own and I started off small with a few horses and and then sort of grew the business really and I actually had an opportunity or I was riding um for an owner I was riding so Barry my Grand Prix horse uh, as a four-year-old because he was bought for a young girl and she struggled with him because she was a bit over horse and so I had the opportunity to ride him and I just absolutely loved him as a young horse so then I and that's, actually that's got, Southern Cross Braemar Barry that's right Southern yes. Cross Braemar yep so I was still eventing at this point right okay and then I I bought him. Um, I managed to sort of scrape some money together, buy him for not for not a big price, and um, and then I evented him initially. And I was actually at the time having uh, lessons with Anna Ross, and she said, "I think this horse could be a Grand Prix dressage horse." Oh wow! Did that come as sort of a big surprise to you? Did you think what 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 on earth? Had, or had had you kind of thought, you know, oh, he's very talented at dressage? Yeah, well, actually, Anna, Anna sort of knew him because uh, she did a lot of work with the Southern Cross Stud uh, previously. So she knew of the horse and he's actually bred to do dressage. So I, I just started off doing a little bit of low level dressage and I thought, I'll see, you know, see where it where it can go. And it was during this time that I actually used to see um, Alice Oppenheimer quite a lot at shows. And she had um, a mare which she was struggling with, which was a bit difficult. And they asked me if I'd come and have a sit on her and see if I could help them out with with her as well. So I sort of then got a little bit connected with Alice and Sarah Oppenheimer and alongside uh, competing Barry. So I really got into the dressage more like that. And actually, I think um, I was quite lucky to have quite a lot of success early on when I did more dressage. And I um, yeah, I just I really enjoyed it. So I was doing it alongside the eventing um, for quite for quite a while. And I think it just happened that I ended up having more dressage rides than I did then eventing. And it sort of went that way, really. So it was just sort of a transition where I think I, I ended up only having two, one or two event horses. And it sort of, it, you know, it's long days eventing. And um, it's sort of hard, I think hard to do both disciplines well. So it's sort of, a trans, yeah, ended up a transition moving to, into the dressage. Okay, so you are sort of really just focused on the dressage now um, yeah. rather than juggling the both. Okay, uh, but I mean, I imagine having that eventing background must be, well, is it is it very valuable? Does it come in handy? Are there any sort of, you know, things you've brought across from your eventing days, any particular skills? Yeah, I think um, I don't really get nervous with the dressage. And I think, you know, I think that's quite um, quite a good trait to have because I think, I think I probably, with the young horses, um, I think a skill in that I've trained a lot of young horses with the eventing and I seem to have a knack to sort of putting confidence into young horses. So um, so I think that's been, yeah, a good way to sort of get involved with it. Um, so I think, yeah, really um, that how to put confidence into a young horse. I think that's definitely what I brought across from eventing and yeah, I've definitely, you know, learned a huge amount from lots of good trainers since I've, you know, done dr- the pure dressage. Um, but I think definitely one of my strengths would be putting confidence into a horse. Right. Okay. And obviously that's such an amazing skill to have. That's such an amazing, you know, strength to have. Um, and you do you do ride, uh, it seems, quite a few young horses and you've had quite a lot of success on young horses as well, which I imagine is partially down to that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would say so. And I love training the young horses. Um, I find it really rewarding. And 
you know to do them right from the beginning um and and train them through i think yeah it's um it's definitely very rewarding yeah i can imagine um and so just tell us a little bit about some of your other horses that you have uh have going at the moment you you mentioned the two that you um did so well with at the winter championships um but who else do you have what other rides have you got this year who which other horses are you excited about yeah, so um, I had the lovely two horses that won at the Nationals. And actually, I had two horses which were both second to both of them. So um, so in the elementary, I had a lovely mare called Omai oh v which is another six-year-old. Six and she actually was second place to um, Delilah, the mare that I won on. Um, she's another lovely, yeah, lovely mare um, and is training well. Um, for her age and shows a lot of promise for the future. Um, she's also owned by uh, Karen Rousing. And then I have a lovely, another lovely six-year-old um, called Monsieur Frederic, who is by Franklin. And he was actually second to Fever Tree in the Novice Freestyle at the Nationals. So, yeah, so I have a really good team of young horses. Um, and then I also have four four-year-olds this year, which are all very, yeah, all very talented young horses. Um, so I, there's definitely a good team coming up um, behind. Yeah. Um, I have my, uh, obviously my Grand Prix horse, Barry, but I've actually leased him. I've oh, leased right. him to Yeah, leased him to a rider, which is um, hoping to aim for the Asian Games with him. So it's um, a, a different avenue for him. Um, but yeah, great to be involved, uh, still involved with him. And yeah, a different path slightly now. Yeah, how exciting. Um, so do you have any sort of horses who are coming up in sort of behind him up to that level or are most of your ones at the moment the younger the younger generation? Yeah, so mostly younger horses. Um, I actually have an eight-year-old, um, a, a seven and an eight-year-old, which are both sort of advanced medium level, hoping to, you know, they should be small tour by the end of the year. So um, definitely some good ones coming up. Amazing. And what, I mean, what are you aiming for this year? What shows, what events have you got sort of um, on the calendar, on the horizon? Um, so, yeah, definitely for most of the young horses, just, you know, I'll continue training them this year, hoping to step up a level um, for summer championships. So some of the young horses will move up to elementary. Some of them will move up to medium level. And um, my five-year-old fever tree, I'm actually trying to aim him for, um, the World Breeding Championships, which he's actually got the final selection trial at Wellington on Thursday. So we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, I think it would be great experience to maybe compete abroad and go to those championships. So that's, um, yeah, definitely something we're trying to aim for. Oh, how exciting. Have you, you haven't ridden at those before, have you? No, no, I haven't actually. Um, and I think, you know, it's probably not often that you have a horse that, that's, you know, really special enough to go there and you know, it's, um, yeah, not often that you have a horse like him. So I'm, yeah, definitely give it, going to give it a shot and see see how we get on. Oh, how exciting. Well, best of luck for that selection trial. Um, at the time this comes out, I'm sure we will probably uh, know whether you've, um, whether you've got a slot. So fingers crossed for you. Um, Danny, I'm actually just going to revert a little bit back in your uh, sort of timeline because I have a feeling that when we've chatted before, you once told me that you actually did quite a lot of another sport, completely different sport when you were younger. Is that right? And can you tell our listeners what that was? Yeah, yeah. So before I started riding, I actually, um, I did quite a lot of trampolining when I was younger. And yeah, I loved it, actually. I really loved it. And I did it at school and then at college. And 
used to do sort of some some of the teams around the country and yeah it was good fun and I think um I think from that you know I got you know learned to have quite good balance as well so I think that's that's something that sort of goes hand in hand with the riding yeah yeah absolutely and I imagine has sort of influenced like we were saying earlier your strength in in riding the younger horses and and actually sort of adapting to to horses and having that balance because it's so important isn't it to to be in that balance to have to have that balance you know whatever the horse might be doing underneath you yeah definitely and I think especially the young horses I think some young horses can get nervous if the rider isn't necessarily sat in the middle of the saddle and sat in balance so I think it's um yeah very important yeah absolutely is there anything you do sort of in your in your teaching or in your own training that kind of continues to 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 work on that I think balance is something that people often maybe take a little bit for granted don't they especially as they start working up the levels a bit um it seems of course you know of course we've got balance but it's something a lot of people can always work to improve I think yeah I think we can all work to improve that and I definitely I go to um I have a PT and I go to the gym regularly um to try and you know improve uh, my lower back strength and my core strength um yeah to continually try and improve improve to sit better really yeah it makes so so much difference well fabulous danny thank you so much for coming on the horse and hound podcast today it's been really really great to have you on here a little bit more about your career and how you got started thank you ever so much for joining us and best of luck in all of your endeavors this year and especially in trying to get to the World Breeding Championships. We'll all be looking out to see how you get on. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope you've all enjoyed listening to this episode of the Horse and Hound podcast. We will be back again in July with plenty more for you to enjoy. And in the meantime, please do rate, review and share the podcast to help us grow our Horse and Hound podcast family. We'll see you next time.